Welcome to Mystery Outsiders and Apps. I'm Kevin Weir. I'm Aaron Weir, and tonight I have three stories to tell you. Ooh, three tales of terror. Ooh, on this, our teen drama terror cast. Yes, so uh, this episode of Riverdale is another one of those now yearly, I suppose, mm-hmm. Uh mm-hmm. Triple stories. There's three stories around some form of a framing device. The best one was the one where Jughead and Archie had to deliver drugs. <laughs> Although that may have also been the one where Veronica killed a man. I cannot remember. That might have been the Halloween one. Yeah. Uh, there was also the man in black, which was essentially just Hiram appears places. Mm. I think it's the one where the, where the girl shaved Archie. <laughs> It was definitely the shaving season. Just a thing that people do to each other. Uh, uh. This one's aesthetics are a lot more around, let's be honest, like, okay, the, uh, uh, the story <laughs> aesthetics are very different. I mean, the framing device aesthetic is very, like, H.B. Lovecraft. Uh, it's like the show was like, oh, yeah, Cheryl. Yeah, they got to have Cheryl being as weird as possible with other people not reacting to Okay, well, there's only one other person, but the one other person should definitely be reacting to it. Yeah. The other yeah. person, I guess, is Stockholm Syndrome. She thinks it's normal. Even though she was at no point a, a captive. Well, you know, anytime you All spend time with Cheryl, you're a captive. Look, we'll just really have to get into this, because as we said, this is three separate stories, and all of them... Equally bad, in different ways. Yes, they are. Uh... Prepare to have, hey, if you had faith in Riverdale, prepare to watch it smashed three times. It's going to go down the sewer like so much rain falling during this storyline. <laughs> because this is Riverdale, season five, episode 14, The Night Gallery. So, Minerva, remember her? Yeah. The last time we saw her, she ran off into the night because Grandma Rose thought they should sacrifice no. her to some heathen gods. Oh, God, I wish it was Gra- Grandma Rose. I'm pretty sure it was Penelope. Oh, no, Penelope said they should pray. But I'm pretty sure after the sacrifice thing. No, Nana Rose was Nana Rose sacrifice. was sacrificed and Penelope was... Now, this did remind me that when Penelope wanted them to pray, it was at an altar they already had existent. Um... So their whole church thing seems like it actually might be kind of old hat, and they're uh, the devotees of an eldritch god, which literally Minerva says, and Cheryl does not correct her. Nope, 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 nope. Well, nope. she does correct her. It's a goddess. <laughs> <laughs> so Minerva is coming here not for apologies, which is what Cheryl thinks, yeah, but for paintings. Well, Cheryl did invite her there. Cheryl did invite her there for paintings, but yeah. Cheryl's like, I'm apologizing. Minerva's like, nope, I'm an art dealer. <laughs> Remember how Cheryl was a whole painter thing? She's the greatest painter in the world, we should clarify. Her painting is inspired by Goya, Dolly, and Bacon. <laughs> which I want to point out, Minerva says, and all Cheryl goes is, yeah, my heroes, which, no. Mm-mm. I don't know where you get Dolly from. Maybe Goya, like, they are pretty dark, and they're of people. But they're obviously of people, and there's no, like, things in wrong places. Yeah, my instant thought when this came up was like, are we doing, like, a Pikmin model type thing, which people don't know is an H.P. Uh, Lovecraft uh, short story. Very good. It was actually done on a show called Night Gallery, which is what this is referencing, which is just the Twilight Zone with paintings. So if you want to know why they're doing this, that's why they're doing this. Well, speaking of the Twilight Zone with the paintings, um, Cheryl, who did once have a crush on Archie, still continues to objectify a man who looks way too much like her twin because she painted what appears to maybe be a shirtless firefighter Archie, but we will quickly learn is a shirtless miner no, Archie. No, I immediately got he was a miner because he's in a mine. Yeah, but like, sh- this is Cheryl. It's, it could be a mine of the mind. It's confusing because we don't know when this uh, framing story takes place and we don't know, it does Cheryl, I, okay, this first one the show begins with, the Archie mine one, Makes sense that she kind of maybe knows what was yeah, going on. There is no way whatsoever that Cheryl knows anything about any of these stories <laughs> she's telling. No. So I don't think we're supposed to imply when we look at the, not, sorry, infer. I think it implies it. I don't think we're supposed to infer it. Okay, um, but like, there's no way she I could never, possibly. I never finished my sentence. <laughs> I am connected to you in heart and spirit, Kevin. Like Cheryl's connected to Archie, Betty, and Jughead. But the audience isn't. Aren't they? 
there's no way that Cheryl is actually telling Minerva the stories of these paintings. I think we're just seeing where they come from, I suppose. I do think Cheryl's probably monologuing at Minerva for way too long, though. <laughs> yeah, I think she's saying absolute nonsense. Uh, but I don't think it's the absolute nonsense we're about to hear as we zoom into the first painting. In the first painting, Archie is busy actually doing therapy yeah. with an actual human adult therapist. Yes, Dr. Winters. Now, Archie doesn't want pills because he's nope. uh, he's a TV show character and TV he's show characters don't want pills. Very afraid of medication because side effects. I like Eric, who's like, yeah, I got pills. And he's like, it's cool. I, I'm missing a leg. <laughs> my nerve pain. I need it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so instead of doing pills, we do something called EMDR. Which stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprogramming. Yeah, which is an actual therapy. It wh- How much this show is good at representing it, I don't know. But it is real. And essentially what they're doing is they're having Arch- – so Archie says that when he goes into his memories, his brain gets jumbled and he doesn't know where he is. Yes. And he gets stuck in his memories. Mm-hmm. Also, I think last episode, Archie did genuine, genuinely believe that Bingo was a dog until his dream reminded him it was a man. Potentially. Anyway, um, Dr. Winters says, okay, well, he has to keep telling his story. Yeah. And while he tells his story, she's going to do a repetitive, a repetitive hand movement. Yeah, she's going to move her fingers left to right. Mm. And Archie's eyes will follow and will keep him focused on the present where he actually is, which will then eventually take power away from the memory. This all sounds true. Yes. Now, the second Archie starts telling the story, his eyes stop following the fingers. And he starts crying, and which starts, is fine. It, what gets me is that his eyes doesn't don't follow the fingers. You think that if you were a therapist and you were like, here's this very specific thing we're going to do, and your patient starts not doing the thing and instead just having a horrifying, regressing episode, you'd be like, follow the fingers. Well, Kevin, here's the thing. Despite what Eric will say in 30 seconds, <laughs> that Dr. Winters is amazing, Dr. Winters is a bad therapist. The problem I have, like, oh my god, I think she is a bad therapist in the real world. I think in Archie's universe, she's supposed to be a good one. She's not great. She's not great. So, um, Eric thinks she's amazing. We talked about Eric getting drugs. Yeah. Archie is very concerned. He's like, well, what kind of side effects will you have, Eric? And Eric's like, I don't know, dude. I'm missing a leg. We had to, it's fine. We have to really set up this side effects thing because it will become a thing because of what happens next. Cheryl Blossom arrives. She found out, I guess from Reggie, I, that well, there is palladium under her maple grove. She claims the entire town knows now. Because I guess Reggie just told everyone. So you remember that big, huge secret that Hiram has been keeping for ever? Since he was 17? Yeah, everyone just knows it off screen. Um, <sighs> Cheryl logically wants Archie and Frank and Eric, Eric to mine this palladium. She just goes to the town and grabs the first boy she can think of. It's like, hey, you guys know how to mine, right? It's just a job anyone can do. Well, it turns out Frank does know how to mine. Frank is bad at mining. He's not... He he implies, oh, well, I, I ran a crew out in Alaska, so I guess I'll be the one in charge. Archie's in charge. Frank does nothing. <laughs> um... To be fair, Cheryl does call out that Archie has had 97 jobs this season. I appreciated that. Well, yeah, but hanging a a lantern on nonsense doesn't make it less nonsensical. Also, I don't think Frank ran a mining crew. I think he's exaggerating. I think he went into a mine a couple times. I agree. I think that's it as well. Um, So, so, great. Now they're all miners. Yeah. They're (laughs) Smashka to the worst CG mine in existence. You're telling me this film crew couldn't find a mine in, in BC, bc that they could shoot out they they don't even show it the rest because it's such a bad cg mine you're telling me they couldn't get this one shot at a mine somewhere in british columbia because let me tell you this show is filmed near mountains and there are mines in those mountains we and, drive past them and you could just do like this show is so anachronistic. Just show us a 1930s mine that's been decommissioned. It's fine. <laughs> it's, it's so anachronistic. At this mining site, they have like a stone campfire with like a cowboy iron pot over it that they're just like stirring stew in. I will say the one thing I like though is Archie's like, well, we also need a trailer 
So I guess I'll just take one of my dad's. And then it's literally the exact same set from Andrew's construction. Yeah. They tried nothing to change it. And I loved it. Well, And then they got a crew together, which is, y- you know what, audience? I want you to think of who this crew is. And I'm just going to let you know, you're absolutely correct. Because it's everybody. It is the boys. Got- the boys on the show. Reggie, who now has too many jobs. <laughs> too many jobs. <laughs> Kevin, who I guess is... A minister, which is why he's into the whole prayer before the mining begins. And not a teacher, I guess. Fangs, who's, I guess, got nothing else to do being a trucker. Well, no, he stepped back from his trucking because he couldn't be on the road because of the baby. So Fangs needs this job. The only person who isn't here is Moose. And Moose should be there. He'd be a good miner. Um, He probably has a real job, though. We also need to clarify, this mine already exists. Yeah, so I guess there has been a mine on Cheryl's property for her entire life, and she has now decided to reopen it. Yeah, or these people have somehow mined out, like, really deep into the mine in, I don't know, 20 minutes? No, she does say that they're reopening the mine, so... She also says, though, that they have to pray, which Kevin likes, and the rest of the guys just kind of stand there and side-eye each other. Like, okay, sure, I guess we're doing this. Um, Here's what you need to know about this story. And this is why I kind of wish this was Cheryl telling whenever the story. Cheryl is a terrible boss and should be sued. Absolutely. So, smash cut. They're dirty. They're eating lunch. Except for Kevin, because these super good, super... Frank is asleep. Frank, the guy who was like, well, I run the, I run a mine out in Alaska, is asleep. Well, one of his crew just and it, it didn't come, wasn't hungry, so decided to keep mining on his own. <laughs> this is, hey, are you telling me that when you have an illegal mining operation, potentially illegal, <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. a dangerous work environment? Kevin, I will say something. Frank may have started out in charge of the mine, but you know that Archway from like, no. It's my responsibility. I'm from this town. I'm in charge of the mine, Uncle Frank. Don't worry. Well, he's so it's on re- me. Well, he's so responsible. He runs in the mine and immediately has flashbacks. So that's going to be an ongoing theme. I guess his flashbacks are somewhat cued off of claustrophobia. Which I guess kind of makes sense because yeah. we saw they were in a foxhole. Or potentially something deeper. Ooh. <gasps> But yeah. don't worry, Kevin, it's good that Kevin mined through lunch, because he finds Palladium, which they delivered to Cheryl, and she's like, cool, brings, back underground, brings us bozos. The, brings us the first of three scenes where Cheryl is the <laughs> crotchety <laughs> mine operator who's only like, will you get back in the mines? And these, and guys, need a, these guys need a union. <laughs> so Archie is like, hmm, my underground panic attack wasn't cool. Yeah. Dr. Winters? I've decided to get over my fear of drugs. Yeah, so he gets some anti-anxiety meds. They linger really long on the on the label. It's it's um Alprazolam, which is just Xanax. But However, they... she does pull those drugs out of her drawer, which is not how anxiety medication works. It's a TV show. That's always how it works. You you keep if if your cop is being rogue and rambunctious you put their gun and their badge in your drawer and you keep them there and if you need to assign a patient drugs you just have a drawer full of drugs um this is another scene where she's like people rely on me boss can't be having panic attacks this whole town relies on me uh so before they go into the mine again decides to well reggie actually brings it up Reggie decides to bring up the Mothman. And then Fangs is like, I know everything about the Mothman, because I'm a trucker. Yeah, so the truck drivers who worked in the mine with Hiram's dad. Yeah. Apparently, before, well, before they were truckers, they were miners with Hiram's dad. They tell a story of a red-eyed creature who were cannibalistic, at which point I go, oh, good. So they'll eat each other, not me. So, Kevin, (laughs) I have a question. Yeah. So there was the mine that Hiram's dad worked in. Mm Mm-hmm. There was also a mine in the 1960s, because remember we saw Young Grandma Rose? Oh, it, what, really? Yeah. I don't remember that. It was in one of the flashbacks. Um, Jughead went and interviewed Nana Rose and Pop Tates. Was that a mine? I thought it was a mine. Weren't it, they miners? It might be a mine. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying you're right, because I do not remember. And Jughead went and met the, the crazy man who lives in the woods. <laughs> I mean, I remember that. Uh, I, I, just, th- I thought that was all related to he mining, He was too. a miner. Yes. You're right. Because they kept disappearing and coming back and being That's like. That's right. So this, t- and that definitely happened in the 60s. It, it did not happen in the 80s. It had to. Which mine was, well, okay, they have to be talking about the 80s mine because he said truckers he talked to. And a lot yes. of those truckers were 
90? Like Nana Rose. Like Nana Rose. And Pop Tates. And Pop Tates. Yeah. Okay. This town has too many mines. Too many mines. Was that also a Palladium mine? It oh, has no. to have been. <laughs> the Lost Men. Okay. It's just the same mine over and over. <laughs> Which makes sense, because, I mean, I'm just going to say it. This mine is full of carbon monoxide, and they keep going into it. And apparently this is a special carbon monoxide. Someone needs to start keeping a record of why this mine keeps getting shut down. Yeah, um, because apparently this carbon monoxide causes poison, like, hallucinations. We learned that later, but for now, Archie goes in, and he, like, hallucinates Eric as being a mothman, which he ascribes to the drugs he just took. Now, Eric, sorry... Archie, for once, tells someone else what's going on. <laughs> he doesn't tell Frank great because he's just sort of freaking out. But, but he tells Frank enough that Frank's like, hmm, this doesn't seem great. <laughs> Unfortunately, Frank doesn't do a great job of stopping him because Archie immediately runs to Dr. Winters and verbally assaults her in her office. He sure does. He busts on in there and he's like, you're poisoning me. You're poisoning me. <laughs> Who do you work for? Is it, is it Hiram Lodge? And now, Dr. Winters refers to Hiram Lodge in an insane way. That rum man? Really? Really? Not the former mayor of your town? <laughs> now, I feel that No, Dr. Wait, I don't think they're actually in Riverdale. I think there's a VA hospital in like a neighboring town. Okay, but, so that makes more sense. But still. But she still should have been The like, rum maker? Or the mayor of the town you live in? Or the businessman? The rum maker? Really? Okay. Now, she does not really respond to this in the way that I personally feel like a therapist would. If one of your patients is clearly having a traumatic break episode, do you just shout them out of your office? Now, to be fair, he also does come in real hot. But she she does not call for support. She does not try any she, tactics. She just shouts them out of the I office. Think, I think she does no, before she that guy... No, she was trying to call for the police. Oh, right. Yeah, no, you should call for uh, the... you. You probably have fun, some form of security there. Uh, definitely not the police, though. That's definitely not who you call mm -hmm. people who are definitely having a mental episode. You should be... Uh. And then she just lets him wander off into yeah. the afternoon. Now, he does get a nice talking to from Eric, because now Eric is the calm and cool one. And Eric, she's like, don't take your pills. She's experimenting on us. And Eric's like, nope, no. that doesn't seem right. No, she isn't. Uh... So, fortunately, the next day, Archie is, Frank says, hey, yo, maybe you don't go into the hole again. Just, and like, hang out. Then he makes a great point that no one has ever made to Archie. You should do payroll <laughs> so everyone gets paid. Because we do know the Andrews men, bad at payroll. They're bad at payroll. Um, so, as Archie is, like, I guess, stoking the weird campfire, he hears outright shouting and people freaking out so he runs into the mine and everybody's having full-on like episodes now reggie is together enough mm -hmm. that archie can get reggie to get kevin and fangs yeah out of the mine because fangs is shouting there's tommy knockers in his head which is i guess a reference so and i know what it is it's a stephen okay. king reference okay yeah and uh kevin is doing he loves me he loves me not because kevin only has one character element, I guess. Yep. Uh, meanwhile, Eric is trying to kill Frank because he thinks he's someone else. He's a I devil, guess. and then yeah. Archie interferes, and then Eric thinks that Archie is the devil, so Archie punches him unconscious. Yeah. So I was, I was like, oh, cool. So I guess I was right that the mining beneath the town is causing weird fumes entering the town. They're like, wait, no, the mining just started. So or that couldn't have been the thing that Jughead was doing, right? Unless the other mine caused that. <laughs> There's too many mines. Now, Frank is a big enough man that a gas carbon monoxide does not affect him, for he is not hallucinating at all. <laughs> it is it is so unclear why the carbon monoxide is affecting certain people more. I thought they say something like, oh, because Archie was specifically taking anti-anxiety medication, it affected him faster. But he was kind of being affected before, before. it. Although I guess maybe his PTSD that, flashback was just a PTSD that flashback. Just been, that's the thing. That could have just been a normal PTSD flashback. But, like, everybody was working there the same amount of time, but only Archie had, like, the real aggressive Mothman Yeah. One. So, anyway, um, Cheryl, who is terrible. So, Archie and Frank go to see Cheryl, and Cheryl demands, wherefore has the digging stopped? <laughs> I hate her. I hate her so much. She's so bad. So um, they explained that it's a toxic, literally yeah. toxic work environment. Yeah, wasn't they say carbon monoxide? 
that's not what it does. It'll kill you first, but sure. And then she's like, well, could can you fix it? And Archie's like, I don't know. I guess we could buy a fan. Uh, yeah, we'll get a pump and we'll pump it out and put fresh air in, which is kind of what they did. But she's like, yeah, do it. And I'm like, guys, just quit. Yeah, you don't. <laughs> you, she pay- you did this as kind of a favor for her. Yeah, I'm not convinced she's paying them. <laughs> like, none of you are in dot. Like, we... Maybe here's like maybe off screen you guys are in some kind of dire money straits, but it's not been clear enough. They're like, oh well, we need to take this job. She literally had to convince you to take it. Quit. She's going to get you killed. And then that's the end. Well, actually, it's not. There's one no. more scene. So Archie goes back to see Doctor Winters, and Doctor Winters, best therapist ever, is like. Well, I was pretty scared when you were suffering from carbon monoxide poisoning. Oh yeah. She so she's I'm I'm afraid of doing this, which is fine though. Like if she's a V, like specifically a VA, yeah. There's no way that she hasn't had other people have psychotic breaks during her sessions with yeah, them. Yeah, like I don't want to be like, hey, it, it, what's what you're supposed to do? But in also some cases, hey, it's what you're supposed to do. Well, and also, there is absolutely no way on earth that a therapist is supposed to say to their what they think is unstable patient. Yeah. I'm afraid of you, so I can't treat you. Oh, I don't think you should be around anyone is what she ends with because his hallucinations are so vivid. But his hallucinations only started being vivid when he, when he started getting poisoned with carbon monoxide, which is what he tells her. He says, I was poisoned with carbon monoxide. And she goes, you should go, you should go to a mental hospital. Yeah, she's essentially like, you're untreatable. Oh, well. And then the main credits happen. <laughs> It is, you know what, this show has been bad at showing authority figures, and I understand, it's shades of grey, it's a tough world. No, 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 they can't all be bad. <laughs> it's not even going bad at authority figures, it's just, it's just so terrible at specifically what her job is. And Okay, so I know, I, this show has so many young viewers. This is going to make teenagers afraid of therapy. Well, hopefully it makes them afraid of carbon monoxide and going into old palladium mines. I, I hope Okay, this, you should be afraid of those things. I hope this makes viewers... Uh, I love how the first story shows Cheryl as, like, Hiram Lodge. Yes. like, And it's a story that Cheryl ostensibly is telling. So Cheryl heard about this and then painted a painting of the fact that, like, yeah, these men... They all might die because of me, because I refuse to to let them not mine in literally toxic air. And then freaking Minerva follows up the story by being like, Cheryl, it seems to me that now you're even more haunted. God. Yeah, because Cheryl's the victim in the story. Yeah. Um, we move on from that one to uh, Cheryl showing Minerva a Betty with a chainsaw, mm. who is trying to figure out who's the real monster. So, I mean, we pick up from where we were last episode. She had just caught... The uh, abstensible, whatever the word is. <laughs> it, it didn't come, Aaron. It, the word didn't come. <laughs> Obstensibly, he Thank is you. the serial killer. Mm-hmm. However, he is credited simply as the trucker. Because I had to look him up. He looked so familiar. Or Martin. No, he's credited as trucker. I know. I'm saying that whether he's, he was referred to as Martin once because that's the fake name he has on his... 50-year-old fake ID. <laughs> 15. Fifty five zero. I refuse to believe that's true. I watched it with the credit, with the <laughs> subtitles on. So uh, we do get a quick scene of Tabitha. Well, Tabitha's scared, but Betty's like, hey, don't be involved in this anymore. Go to another plot line. It's too scary for you, Tabitha. And Tabitha's like, I don't have another part plot line. Jughead's gone. Betty's like, I don't care. And then she's like, Betty, please don't die. So and Betty's like, I won't. So remember how Betty was like, don't worry. I got a place we can keep them. It, the place that where she keeps them is not a place I would have guessed in two million years. It is her classroom at school. Classroom school. She keeps them in the shop class at the school. Look, Kevin, how many people have been beaten up in that shop classroom? We should have known. <laughs> and at first I thought, okay, so this confirms what we kind of talked about. The school is still closed. Nope. Nope. It's just it's a, a long, long weekend. And, okay, Betty... I have never tortured a man for information before, but I don't think you should tell him you have a three-day time limit. I think yeah. you should make him feel like this could go on forever, not, hey, last three days and then children arrive. Just tell him, Riverdale's not a town. This is an abandoned <laughs> school. Yeah, like, just lie to him. But her being like, it's a long weekend. I'm like, okay, so three days. Can I ask you the nitpickiest of questions? Of course. 
what long weekend is this? Aaron. Is this Thanksgiving? <laughs> is this Christmas? It, it's family day weekend. So it's February. Sure. But why didn't winter come to Riverdale? Aaron, time doesn't matter. We have to get, we have to give up on time. This I can't. This episode. So Cheryl's telling these stories. So essentially all this stuff takes place um, after all these stories happened, even though there's no way Cheryl could know about the chainsaw one. Or, or the Jughead maybe, one. Jughead's one I'm willing to give it because she's a creep and probably has spies. But the chainsaw <laughs> one, no. Um, <laughs> so if that's what takes place after it, here's the thing. The the Archie one feels like that took place over a month. Yeah. The This Betty one takes place over a weekend. And the Jughead one... Could take place at any time. Literally any time at all. So timeline gone. Anything happens when it happens, I suppose. You can't tell stories like this. I know they can't, but they do. Okay, so Betty's in the shop class. He has a 50-year-old ID. Yeah. But he also is a smart serial killer. And he's like, there's no way you're with the, with the FBI. You have me locked up in a high school. <laughs> yeah. Um, he will slowly reveal through a time that he, like, he's really messing with her. He knows there's a time limit, so he's just not giving information. Then he's giving it when he wants to play with her by being like... Actually, I know who you are because we've heard. Because they, the truckers have heard rumors, <laughs> oh, but they don't. But they, but they know that she's Agent Cooper, the a woman looking for her kidnapped sister. She's not a legend of like, oh, there's a woman. No, they know exactly who she is. She should have been picked up by the FBI. Just be like, ever ago, hey Betty, stop threatening random people. Betty, you're really harsh in her vibe here. <laughs> Betty, I know you're trying to find a serial killer, but you can't, but uh, there's a lot of people who aren't serial killers, and you can't threaten all of them. Some of them are just ex-minors who are trying to recover from their carbon <laughs> monoxide poisoning we, by being truckers. We do know that is a thing. Uh, so Betty, after talking to him once, breaks into the FBI office. She steals a bunch of photos of girls so that she can <laughs> show them to him and watch his face for reaction. Do you think Glenn saw that and went... God damn it, Betty. I don't think Glenn goes back to that office. Someone does. They should to. have cleared it out. Now, well, I mean, remember, they cleared they cleared it out seven years ago. At, oh, no, no, no. They cleared oh, it out no. at the beginning of Betty's, the season. Betty's in, Betty, one of Betty's reasons when she went to Riverdale is I'm going to clear it out. But then they got back, they went back into it. Kevin? Yeah? Do you think, because I can't remember seeing Glenn in that office. Do you think Betty just refused to tell anyone where the office was? I don't know. I mean, they gotta know where it is, right? I don't know. <laughs> they have to know. Um, so Betty's uh, Betty doesn't know what serial killers are. I, 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 I might have led into this a little bit more, but I can't get over. Betty is supposed to be a really good FBI agent. Is the point, even mm -hmm. though she's like rogue, supposed to be like, oh, Betty's good at this. She doesn't get the serial killers really like so often, more often than she should be assuming. Lack empathy because mm -hmm. she try. She really she goes tries for, she, empathy like three times. Yeah. So she shows him some photos, and then one of them, he's like, oh, yeah, no, she's buried up here. The photos of Allison McCall, which is the girl whose mom we met. Oh. Remember when they interviewed her? Because Betty was trying I to figure out there remember. was- I do remember. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, she goes to dig up the body. Just some bones. <gasps> Dog bones. Dog bones. Dog bones. And he's like, yeah, I said bitch a whole bunch. <laughs> <laughs> so next, Betty decides to make the- wildest play. Oh, God, I can't believe I say this every single week. Oh? Before she makes this play, we get some very important serial killer nonsense from the serial killer. Of course. Where she's like, doesn't it hurt you when you kill these girls? These are people, not animals. So Betty has been having a lot of flashbacks to the TPK. TBK. As this goes on. Yeah. But he's like, it's not like killing humans. It's just like hunting with my family. Yeah. Speaking of family, Alice is making a horrifying embroidery of the twins. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's horrifying. This is the worst thing I've ever seen on the show. And Betty decides, I know what I'm going to do to try to get this serial killer to talk. I'll have you, Mom, go in and talk to you about how much you love your daughter. And maybe... She says serial killers dehumanize their victims, which is true. But usually what it is is that serial killers just don't see their victims as human. Because they are better than them. Yeah, because they have some form of narcissism or empathy or sorry, lack of empathy mm -hmm. or like, I mean, a, a, 
like that's that's usually what causes that. So <laughs> and just he, and he has his, he has throughout this entire thing shown zero empathy. Like he and he prescribes his twisted mindset onto other people. Like he thinks that Betty gets off on threatening men. Oh, he's clearly a misogynist. Oh yeah, yeah. Like he says, "Oh, you'll get what you want, and then you'll leave like every other woman." Like. So I don't know why she thinks that maybe if, she, you know, Hal wasn't dead, maybe showing him um, Polly's dad might do something. It's like, I can't imagine, like, I understand, once again, rogue FBI agent, but like, can you imagine the FBI being like, I know what we'll do. We'll take one of the mothers of the victims and have have the serial killer talk to her. And maybe that'll do it. Maybe that has done it. I don't know. Get at me, true crime people. There's a million of you out there. Maybe I'm wrong. Now, I mean, luckily, this is Alice, who is a... Oh, no. Has she killed anyone? Yes. Yes, she killed the sketchy man. Yes. And also potentially Chick? Yes. I don't know if... Wait, did she kill Chick? No, she killed Chick. Betty stabbed Charles. She killed Chick? Or the other way around? Mm, Betty I, shot someone, didn't she? Well, no, Betty stabbed Glenn and yes. then stabbed Charles, Because she I think. took the knife out of Glenn and, then and stab- threw it, didn't yeah, she? Yeah, and I think a Charles... Yes. And then, but I think Alice actually killed Chick. So Alice has killed at least two people, maybe more. Yeah. She does get, like, a little weepy as she shows the photos. She of... has a serial killer gene, which we know in-universe might mean something. Um, And she shows the trucker a lot of pictures of Polly and talks yeah. about how great and cute she was. And the serial killer man does exactly what you think he does. He taunts her. She squealed like a pig when I slit her throat. So she punches the hell out of him. So many times. Because... Betty, come on. <laughs> you know who your mom is. You're so bad at this. <laughs> um, He likes it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Betty has an idea, which is, oh, I know. I'll just threaten that I'll kill him. And then he'll, maybe maybe he'll say something. And Alice is like, oh, my God, just kill him. But He's it, the worst. Now, Alice. 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 Don't do it. You've, you've been a real bad mom in Alice. the past. And currently right now. <laughs> this bad mom gives her daughter, says, I am your mother. I give you permission to kill him. Alice, if you want him dead, do it yourself. Yeah, you kill him. You know What are you doing right I'm, now? I'm not advocating either of you to just take justice in your, own, in your own hands and kill this man who you have no real evidence of doing anything other than being an, a jerk to you. He is a creep. He is a creep. And he is also definitely a serial killer. Like, yeah. from, from us on the outside of the TV show, definitely. Now, um, <laughs> I will say, I don't think he killed Polly. I don't think he did either. Um, I definitely don't think he did. Uh, so, Alice, do it yourself. Yeah, you want him <laughs> dead so bad. Don't put this off on your daughter. You, How are you, even when you're being a bad person, also being a bad mom? Look, she just needs to be more like Penelope Blossom. <laughs> Do the killing for her daughter instead of making her daughter do it. If there's one thing we can give Penelope Blossom, she does it herself. She does it herself. (laughs) But Betty has one more plan, which is kind of her original plan. But Um, first, she's going to ask him. No, this is the plan. Please. Yeah. Please. Please, won't you tell me? Please. So her plan is to threaten to torture him, uh, which we learn later is actually the exact same way that the trash bag killer threatened to torture her. And what Betty should take from this is that she was terrified when someone threatened her with this. Yeah. This guy... He's not terrified. He's not terrified. So maybe you can't treat him like a normal human being. Okay, that feels bad thing to say. Or maybe you should look at yourself, Betty, and be like, hmm, serial killer gene. Fake. Dark Betty is not a thing inside me that I can't avoid. Yeah, the fact that, like, she she's like, I felt fear. This guy did not feel fear. We must be the same no, Betty, no. Like, like I know what we're supposed to get from it. It's like, oh, but she's so much like the trash bag killer because she goes and grabs a chainsaw when he when um the uh, trucker won't, like... Okay, but I don't think she's going to use it. I think she just wants to scare him slightly I think, more. Yeah, she might... I mean, it's we'll never know. We'll that never it, know. That's, that, that's the that's point. That's the show. Betty Shades will, of Grey. Betty will also never know. Could she have actually done it? Who knows? The answer is no. <laughs> Uh, who knows, Aaron? Because the trucker bites his own tongue off and kills himself. He chokes on it? The, the, I mean, yeah, he bit his own <laughs> okay, tongue off. you know off. what? It's good that Betty explained that because I have, I have, he, she came back and he was dead and I was like, oh, how did this happen? Did I, he have a cyanide pill? This is crazy. I knew exactly what happened as soon as we saw him. Like, oh, he bit his tongue off and, and he choked on the blood or the tongue. Like, you know, he bit his have own tongue off. Have you researched this? No, that is just like, 
<laughs> I don't know. It's it's like if I was writing this and you needed someone, you needed someone to be like in like insane, like wild and crazy, and kill themselves. Bite off your own tongue and and choke on it. Like hey, there's no other way he could kill himself. <laughs> and and he is repeatedly and excessively shown that he is like the most cliche serial killer. Oh my god, when Betty's you know, threatens him. He's like, wait, your sister, did she have blue eyes and an infinity symbol tattoo? Did she sometimes go by Patty instead of Polly? I have no idea who she is. Like, <laughs> he is cartoonishly evil. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you you thought that maybe they would be doing something different with him. He's not. He's exactly the kind of secular you expect he was, which is why it's kind of infuriating that Betty constantly keeps being like, but what if he has feelings Would, yeah wouldn't it be more interesting if he was like an even more sociopathic serial killer who could like turn it on <laughs> and off and make you feel for him yeah like that would be kind of spooky like she already met hal and hal was definitely willing to kill betty oh absolutely like <laughs> so was penelope <laughs> like all of her interactions with like serial killers have been they'll, they'll go kill her family like yeah no, totally will do that Yeah, all of them yeah you know, like i mean how wanted her also to be the black hood but he also was if she wasn't going to be the black hood she well, needs to be dead those I were mean, her choices i guess he didn't want to kill her i think that's why penelope killed him is because he didn't end up killing her it's hard to tell the show's weird yeah, the show is weird so anyway she tells her mom about that and they kind of talk about like oh are you happy that he's dead Yes, are you happy that he's dead? I guess, but from what he said, which thank you for mentioning what he said because I had no idea what he said. <laughs> That's why I had to say it. Betty thinks that he might there might be a family of serial killers. Yeah, because he very obviously did not kill Polly. Yeah, um, <laughs> I thought it was like, is it because he mentioned there's a rumor of an agent? I'm like, no, he mentioned truckers, but it's specifically like it's like hunting with my family. Yeah. I don't think that's a clear enough it's indication not. that, like, I think there's a family of serial killers. But, Kevin, Betty's FBI training is just that good. <laughs> she knows how to get information out of people. She told him, I'll have to let you go in three days, effectively. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, uh, we get into the third story, which is Jughead on a Throne of Rats. Great. Yeah, it's a story about addiction and madness. Um. No, it is the story of a man caught betwixt fact and fiction, memory and madness, truth and trauma. And I can kind of see what they're going for with this one. They spend some time, I think, because this is a story within a story, and then at a certain point it goes within another story, and then I think maybe one more layer down. Um, so, and there is some point where, like, Jughead, like, kind of lies, but really he just says what his initial hallucination mm. was. And, and then, then he later. clarifies later. So I think Jughead is an innate storyteller. So it sounds like they're kind of trying to do an unreliable narrator thing, which is funny. We actually talked off mic uh, last time about Betty's storyline mm -hmm. being like, Betty was chased with a chainsaw. That is so ridiculous. Maybe it's supposed to be an unreliable narrator thing, and she's wrong, which in retrospect, I don't think was true. I think she was chased with a chainsaw. So then <laughs> using the chainsaw against the chainsaw killer... TBK, TBK also had a chainsaw. My, my thought was because TBK chases her with a chainsaw yeah. in Hallucination, and then he chases her with a chainsaw in real life. So do Riverdale writers think that a chainsaw <laughs> is the only way to serial kill someone? <laughs> I guess so. Um, look, I just want to say this Jughead storyline is fine. <laughs> um, what happens to him in the world of Riverdale is not bad enough. Well, and not only that, like, it, none of it makes sense. So we're going to go through this. And just keep in mind, nothing that happens in the story is remotely motivated. <laughs> so Jughead is in um, Alcoholics Anonymous. And I think he's not the one that he went to with Tabitha. I Yeah, I thought he was in New York because that's the last time we saw him was I'm going to New York. But then, Kevin, he can't be in New York because in the scene he says, well, boy, it's sure weird being back in the school after hours. Well, he's also not because he says later, I'm back in Riverdale. But, like his first line is it's weird to be in the school after hours and not as a teacher. Aaron, I was so bewildered by the fact that we're just seeing him back in Riverdale. We don't see his adventures in New York. We don't see what happened with the whole truck thing. He just, that was fine. Um, that, yeah, they told the story wrong. <laughs> yeah, that I thought I'm like, okay, he's just referring to a school. I... I had to give something to give some credence to this. Kevin, I'm learning how Riverdale thinks. It's terrifying. All right, so this story is Jughead telling a story 
about his backstory. So we learn what happened kind of in the seven year time. Sort of. Jump. Except that he tells like a three year long story. I think I think just time like I think just he didn't do a whole lot in seven years. So Jughead goes to college and in a shocking turn of events, Iowa not the coolest place. He says, I need to get out of Iowa. And I'm like, okay, you're talking like a guy who's lived his entire life in Iowa. You've been there maybe a couple of years. And like, maybe you don't know how to make friends with people because your adventures <laughs> at Stonewall really broke you. Yeah. So, so he felt that freshman year, freshman year yeah. was boring. So he just drank whiskey at nighttime and wrote. <laughs> so yeah, uh, he he did a bunch of writing and he wrote something i thought it was the outcasts it was not he wrote something and then just sent that off to agents now he does a paper and i'm willing to give that a pass because it's this show is anachronistic and yeah. it's, it's fine um and he meets sam pansky oh my god and sam loved his pages and got him a signing <laughs> gift of whiskey and i'm like how old is yeah are you giving it because jughead does say freshman year is boring so i wrote from what we can tell from his storytelling powers, this all happened when he was 19. <laughs> now, so, so Samam bought a 19-year-old a bottle of whiskey. Now, I'll just say, you know what? Whatever. That's fine. And like, like, Sam is Sam's like, yeah, I'll buy a 19-year-old Sam's bottle of whiskey. old school. Whatever. Um, then we learn that Jughead has been in, I guess, near constant communication with Betty. Because Betty was, like, the one person he talked to. He gets an agent. He calls her. And yeah. this is still during university because she's yep. sitting outside of her dorm room because mm -hmm. her roommate's having sex. Yes. And uh, she's so excited for him. And she's like, oh, I hope your friends are going to take you out for a drink. And he's like, yes, I have friends. When did he go back to Riverdale? Because he went back to Riverdale for the first – remember when they had this meetup every single year at yeah, Pop Yeah, why Tates? wouldn't Betty have gone he, to that meetup? He went back to Riverdale. He was the only one who did it. And then he said, I did not see any of them for six years. He's been in constant contact with Betty. Because she just talks to him like, oh, how did your mailing go? Why did they break up? Mm. <laughs> like, I understand. It's like, oh, maybe they're talking because, like, it's old, like, it's familiar. But it kind of loses the impact of the fact that, like, they, they like, they, oh, when we drifted apart and we didn't talk. He's <laughs> talked to her so much. Well, and there's, like, there's no way on earth that Betty was not going back to Riverdale during the summers. Yeah. Speaking of there's no way on earth, the next scene where Jughead moves to New York. Yeah, he drops out of college, moves to New York, and, gets writer block. Yeah, and so he got an agent before he wrote a book. That's not how that works. That, like, I was willing to give it the pass on the you're sending out stuff. This guy apparently, Jughead didn't release Outcast until seven, six, five years after he potentially got an agent. How good was this writing? This Sam no, was like, this has to have happened like during what would have been like his senior year, because he says that he dropped out of school, yeah, and moved to New York, and then he just didn't write anything for three years. Is what we're meant to believe. Well, he was in writer's block, and like it does take a while for once you write a book for it to be. Like put like put out, but the fact that oh he, that's right. Once he writes the book, he has a year before the release party. Yeah. Um, okay, so he didn't write for two years. Yeah. I'm sorry. Any agent worth your salt is dropping you. <laughs> well, no agent worth the salt is is signing someone who doesn't have a book. It's he, like, hey, I liked your sample pages. Yeah, I thought he sent him the outcasts, and then here he was writing like he was doing rewrites or something like that. But no. This is him writing the outcast. He gets the um, maple so, mushrooms. Yeah, so Jughead drops out of school, moves to the East Village, immediately starts dating Jess. Yeah. And she can score him maple mushrooms, a drug from his hometown. At which point he finishes his first draft. And the outcasts is a YA book. Did we know this? Well, it's a takeoff of The Outsiders. I know. So but I guess it has to be YA. No, but the way that he's treated... By everyone around him. Oh, is yeah, like he wrote um, contemporary literature, whatever that's called. Well, yeah, it's it's like he wrote like like you know, cat, I mean, catching the rot. Eh, no, no. Uh, um, it's like he wrote. What was the book that was sold as a memoir but was actually fiction? Oh, a million, a tiny million, tiny pieces, or a million yeah. pieces. Yeah, it's like he wrote that. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, but apparently it's a YA book. Okay. Uh, and oh, this entire time he's still texting Betty. Yeah, so his book gets sold, and then he drinks, and he parties he with Jess, and he texts Betty consistently. He texts Betty asking her, hey, you're going to come to my uh, book launch party? And I think she's on the bed 
with Glenn? Oh, maybe. I didn't catch it, but she, you could be totally no, right. Well, it's a man. She's oh, on the so bed with Glenn. a man. And she, like, because, like, she's texting a, a Jughead, and she looks back at the guy sleeping next to her. And I'm like, is that Glenn? How long has she been dating Glenn for? What's happening here? Because as far as we knew, never. <laughs> so, um, she's like, yeah, wouldn't miss the launch. Smash cut to Jughead on the phone with Betty being like, oh, of course you can't come. I understand. Yeah, Betty says she can't come. No, Kevin, I have a theory. Yeah. I think this is the night she went after the trash bag killer and got kidnapped. <laughs> that would be nice. I mean, it wouldn't be nice, <laughs> but it would be. I think that's a, what happened. An interesting idea. Though, you think. <laughs> then, wait, so she got kidnapped by. I don't know why I'm laughing. She got kidnapped by him, and then she checked her phone. And was like, oh boy, that's a real mean message <laughs> from Chuck. That's why she kept it for so long. <laughs> she got out of the hole and was like, oh no. Well, she's in there for a week. Two weeks, two weeks oh, in man. the hole. Well, she was in a hole. He was in a hole. <laughs> so- because, because he got so drunk and he was going to the launch party of his YA book. Okay, also, can we talk about this? Because the way Jughead talks about it, Betty not coming to the launch yeah. makes it seem like he went to the party and she no-showed. But she called him and told him she couldn't come. Yeah. 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 No, like. He wildly <laughs> overreacted. Look, it's, I- it's like, here's what I'll say. Like, th- th- this entire thing messes a lot of stuff up. Number one, it makes it sound like he, like, yeah, he wildly overreacted. But two, he also didn't call Betty out of the blue being like, hey, bitch. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he was just continuing their previous conversation. <laughs> and then you tell me that they didn't talk again after that. For an amount of, well, but it makes sense if she was kidnapped by the trash bag killer. She was only kidnapped for a week. Two weeks. <laughs> one week. No, it was two weeks. Erin, it's been one week since she was kidnapped by the trash bag killer. Scraped her knee on the carpet, the chickadee chata, the Chinese chicken. I can't remember the latest song. It's been, it's been. <laughs> it's broken me. You good? Look, I don't know what. Okay, so I understand Jughead's an alcoholic and yeah. he reacts un- irrationally to things. I yeah. get it. I get it. I don't think I get why he's an alcoholic. And I know alcoholism can be hereditary. But uh, what's his face? FP was an alcoholic, but then now can just casually drink beer whenever he wants. I mean, I would say that, like, that's not the worst. It's it's not very fulfilling for a TV show that essentially what it is is that he was a guy who he's like, okay, well, I drink alcohol when I write. And then it just sort of, like, snowballed. But I don't think it works in this, like, oh, it's one third of an episode thing yeah. here. And I just like, feel like from a storytelling standpoint, I needed an inciting incident. Like, well, like what should have happened is he should have gotten the whiskey from Sam and that was the start of it, right? Well, I didn't, well, it's not that I needed an inciting incident. I think I, think I needed an escalation. Like what they portray here is the escalation is Betty didn't come to the um, part, the, the launch party. But that's which like was the too, end of his story. It was too quick. Yeah. Like, like, because it's, it's... She didn't come to the party, and so he immediately hit rock bottom. Yeah, like, the the speed he went from, I guess I'm managing myself, to boom at the bottom is... 30, se- 30 minutes. Yeah, so it's both, like, weirdly realistic to how, like, alcoholics can become alcoholics, but also very unrealistic to the speed at which... Yeah, they're doing too many things, and they're not jiving now, for me. Now, to be fair, he does have a distinct disadvantage, which is the fact that, like, so he fell out of a hole. So he literally falls into a sinkhole. <laughs> he disappears for, okay, this is actually really weird. Jess initially claims in him he was unconscious for three days. We learn later he was actually missing for three days. Yes. Uh, so and, and Jess told him he was, he was too... Um, he was too, like, drunk. Like, he was passed out for three days because he went on the wildest bender at all. But there's a there's a lie in there. So he gets out of the hospital, and instead of getting his own discharge papers and looking at his own chart and <laughs> being in charge of his or own a, medical treatment. Or a doctor talking to him ever. once. Jess must have, like, intercepted every single doctor. Like, Jughead goes back to Riverdale like, in the past. Yeah. And when he left to go back to New York, now we've caught up to that timeline. So he says he was out for a few days, but then they kept drinking and fighting and not writing. And it seems to me like he fell down the sinkhole. Yeah. Like, maybe three months before Archie called him at the beginning of the season. Okay. Like, not that long, yeah, right? Yeah, no, I agree, not that long. 
So Archie calls him. He goes to Riverdale. But even when he was in Riverdale, his sanity was being gnawed at. And he was drinking. He skips over the whole, like... Mothman thing? Mothman and alien thing. It's weird that he'll never mention that. All right. Now we're back up to him leaving to New York. So the first thing he did was he went back to the hospital (laughs) and he asked for his own medical file. Turns out... Now, it wasn't just that he was so drunk he went unconscious for three days and, like, (laughs) blacked out. He had rabies. He was being treated for a severe rabies infection. And he disappeared for three days, was found on that third day, and I guess he still woke up on the same day, and Jess just told him he was drunk for three days. Jess is is really bad. (laughs) Why did she steal his manuscript, Kevin? Well, Jess is clearly manipulating him, right? She has to be. Like, why do I you, don't know to like, what end. Like, why do you lie to someone and be like, no, you were so drunk that you passed out for three days. Instead of being like, you had rabies. So I guess. And when, we're missing for three days. When he showed up at the hospital, he was yelling about the Rat King who lives under New York. Mm-hmm. So then Jughead, I guess, remembers. No, no, no. no. This is the story within a story within a story. Okay. This is. So this Je- is what Jess tells yes. him that he said happened to yeah, him. Yeah, it's so many no, layers. This is what Jess tells him that the hospital told her that he said happened to him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he fell through a sinkhole in the pavement. And he's like, cool. I love the sewers. I should live here now. And he meets the Rat King, who is a lot. Okay, he's a lot, but he's not enough. It's true. He's just sort of like... He's just a homeless man. He's a homeless man who thinks he's a king, and Jughead reads him the outcasts, and he's like, cool, I like your story. Stay down here and read me more stories. I'll come back and get you tomorrow. It takes me a day to get you. Bye. Yeah, it's a very unclear. Uh, And then I guess he... Well, three days pass, and he hallucinates Betty. And Betty's like, hey... Hey, buddy, I'm here to save you just like I always am. For some reason, they give Betty, like... Knowledge that there's no way she could possibly have. Well, logic. She says, hey, buddy, you know the sewers flood every... They flood the sewers every two weeks, and it's going to happen soon. I'm like, there's no way Jughead knows the schedule of flooding sewers. It doesn't happen because he goes back later and gets his stuff. Why couldn't she just be like, Jughead... You can't stay here. You need to leave. You can't be with the Rat King. Why'd you have to give him a weird form of, like, logic to it? So he follows her. And it's just like uh, Orpheus and Eurydides. Which is, no, it's... Because he doesn't look back and she doesn't disappear. No, he does look back and she doesn't disappear. Anyway. He emerges in the East Village. The cops take him to the hospital. And Betty saved him, like, so many times before. uh, And then the leader of this AA group is like... Wait, how much of the story is true? <laughs> I also want to clarify, Jughead, Betty didn't save you. Your hallucination yeah. did. Your own mind did. You saved yourself. You saved yourself. Um, but yeah, so yes, how much of this is real? And Jughead's like, well, isn't that quite the story? Anyway, uh, the racking isn't real. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I went back to the sewers, and then my memories came back. <laughs> yeah, so racking isn't real. He just was covered in rats and then stayed down there for three more days. Yeah, so when he woke up, he was covered in rats, couldn't scream because the rats might go in his mouth. Yeah. Then the rats went away, I guess. And then he just lived down there for a couple days and then decided to leave. Because he was, once again, rabies. But while he was down there... In his book, he wrote the story of the Rat King in the margins of the novel he had with him. Yeah, because once again, the flooding didn't happen. And then he left the book there, and that's how he knows this is true. And then they they have him say this thing that, like, I think it's supposed to really tug at her heartstrings, where he's like, I just realized when I was down there, no one missed me. I'm like, no, people definitely I'm like, missed no, 100, you. I'm 100% Sam missed you. You did not appear at the launch for your hot new book and then you became one of the new rat pack like wait how when why are they nagging him about getting a new book yeah apparently this happened like three months ago his book came out three months ago and he had had an agent this 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 guy who gets written about being new york times was like this kid got a one million dollar advance like he (laughs) sam okay just getting back to this sam definitely missed him yeah I think Jess just told everyone the same thing that happened when Betty and Tabitha went to her. Oh, no, he does this. This is a thing that he does. Yeah, she's just smearing his name. I I don't know how much they want us to dislike Jess. I dislike Jess a lot. She is one of the worst characters on the show. (laughs) Like, Like, in a really weirdly too real way. Oh, she is like... 
toxic girlfriend to the extreme. Which is hilarious because at the beginning, it really was like, oh, Jess just is just trying her best. And Jughead is just taking advantage of her. Three months before that, she lied to him about having rabies. Now, look, guys, we don't know that it was three months. But the way the story has been told, it cannot be longer than that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's both seven years and one day. So um, Jughead is caught in the wreckage of his life and he's going to fix it. But first, he's not going to drink so much whiskey. I can't believe he's back in Riverdale. I can't believe we we got... We missed his entire... This is just like the quarantine. Like, well, every single like storyline in this episode should have been its own episode. Should have been for, its own arc. Except for the mind thing. The mind... Okay, we, did, we, we didn't need we the We didn't mind. need the mind. You could have done Archie's PTSD thing in a different way than he all of a sudden became... Home. He's like Homer Simpson. <laughs> And just because you mention it does not make it less weird. No, because you're striving for, like, this show is striving for a heightened realism where we're supposed to buy into things and feel for the characters, and I just can't. Yeah, the main problem is they really want to tug at some heartstrings, and it's everyone's too cartoonish for me to... Care about any of them. Yeah, like, the, these feel, these characters feel like they should fall off a building and bounce. You know who I care about? Who? Fangs. And Moose. And I want these two sweet boys, one of whom has been really jerked around by his boyfriend who only has one kidney. Yeah. <laughs> I just want these guys to do well. I want them to enjoy their cheese and baguette and wine. Well, unfortunately, the only person who will ever enjoy anything is Cheryl because they I mean, go on to a fourth painting. This one's not a story. No, this fourth painting is just Minerva and Cheryl as Psyche and Cupid. <laughs> And Cheryl's like, I want you back. Minerva's like, your grandmother tried to sacrifice me to an eldritch god. And Cheryl's like, shh, And Minerva's like, also, I'm going on a trip to South Africa for <laughs> reasons. It sounds like, doesn't it sound like she's lying? It totally sounds made like, up. She gives way too much detail. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like when we got the opal. Oh, it's an opal from Ethiopia. It's like too much detail. Just say, It's I'm, a blood opal. You could just say, unfortunately, I'm flying to see a client. I won't be back for a long time, so I guess we could have sex tonight. And they do. And they do, because Minerva still loves Cheryl for some unknown reason. My question is, why does anyone love Cheryl? She's not a real person. <laughs> I love that they're like, oh, she's intoxicating, though. What part of her? She is She is, is so vile in every way. Like, yes, she is pretty. It does not overshadow everything about her personality. She is somehow worse. And I don't feel bad for her that her family is terrible because she's more terrible. <laughs> Jason, it seems like, was a sweet boy. And now he's a desiccated corpse. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Jason got out at the right time. Yeah. He... I know he's dead and he was killed by his father. He did the I right thing. I think that's better. That is the best fate you can ask for as a Blossom. Oh, no. they were, But they were trying to go to the farm, though, which was later turned into a cult. <sighs> so... I'll have to deal with that when that happens. Hey, Aaron. Yes, Kevin. Did you have something you wanted to wanted to tell me? Oh, did I learn something this week? Well, let me tell you. I tried so hard to learn something this week. <laughs> what is there to learn? I tried so hard to learn what compulsion thy name is Kevin of Finland is a reference to. And? I found an article where they're like, Cheryl gets the best line of the week with that line. What? Yes. Who wrote that? I don't know. Internet think piece. <laughs> that was a generated by a bot? Kevin, I went on Reddit to try to figure this out. I went on a search. I searched for compulsion and Finland and so many search terms. I asked the internet, what did Cheryl mean when she said Kevin of Finland? Let me tell you. The internet doesn't know. Oh, my God. It's but just a... you know what I did learn? What did you learn? No one cares that Sodale doesn't exist. No one is talking about it on the Reddits. They only care that Reggie turned his back on Hiram. Are we... Aaron, <laughs> are we in a simulation? <laughs> is this real? I refuse to believe... No, no, this has to be a prank on us, right? Like, I refuse. The no. internet is banding together to gaslight us. Kevin, we're being gaslit. Aaron, I think we're the only people who exist in the universe. I have now become a solipsist. And I believe that... Because there's, there's no way... No, no. It's just that everybody who thinks like this has stopped watching the show. It has to yeah, be. Yeah, it's just the only people who remain are people who, who have become inundated 
by I, the nonsense. I found like really well written posts about like Betty's PTSD and how it's women who can have it too and she is a victim. I found all of these things and I found no one being like, wait, Sobadil doesn't exist. <laughs> like, did we miss something? Were we supposed to know it didn't exist before? Were we supposed to know it was a trick? <laughs> well, that is Did what, we get tricked by Hiram? That's what happens when the show keeps on doing big, like, big things that should be world-shaking changes as, like, little asides. Oh, now everyone knows about the Palladium. So, like, how does Hiram's plan continue? Yeah, Hiram has no plan. Hiram yeah. should just walk into the sea. Because the entire point is that Cheryl could not know about the Palladium because he wanted to buy the, buy the maple fields from her. Now she knows there's Palladium and she's mining for it herself. Hiram's plan no longer works. She mentions before Hiram steals it from me. How is that going to happen? How is he going to steal it from you? you? It's your property. You now know that it exists. The entire point is he was trying to undercut you for your land. He was trying to trick you, Cheryl. So unless if he kills you and somehow gets it willed to him. (laughs) I mean, maybe he needs to marry Penelope. No, wait. (laughs) No, wait. No, she'll murder everybody. It's true. Can't do that. It's got to marry Nana Rose. Yeah. Jughead, who was, who was like, he vanished to New York in the serial killer's truck, which to be fair, we said it, he's not going to kill him. It's not his M.O. Yeah. Um, But then but like, he's, nothing now, came now of he's, that. Now he's just back in Riverdale. Like. Nothing came of it. He told, he, he they literally told and didn't show. <laughs> and also, the thing that happened to him in the sewers that they've been hinting to all season, not big enough for this show like for another show if this was like Grey's Anatomy like oh my god sewer rat man oh yeah he fell in the sewers and he got rabies like they they were really implying it's like oh he went on like a crazy drug trip and maybe killed someone yeah. down there I, and I thought there was something about like bright flashing lights in the sewer yeah um instead no he got rabies he got rabies which I mean that sucks so that's what you learned this week yeah. Because that's the segment we were doing. Yeah, I learned that I don't know what Kevin of Finland means. I need someone to tell me. Cool, cool. Aaron. Yes, Kevin. Though this episode, did you find yourself a CW moment? Did I find a CW moment? Did I find a moment where Logic just wanted to buy art, but there is no just buying art in this world? I did. And my CW moment relates to art because I can't not pick this framing <laughs> device. It's bad. There is no way that Cheryl knows about. I'm, once again, I'm willing to give her potentially Jughead. Not Betty. Not but, Betty. There's not no Betty. way to know Betty. Not Betty. So you made as a framing device that there's no way it could exist but seems to have some concept. Yeah, you tried. Like, I mean, I guess the idea is that she decided to draw Betty with a chainsaw, which, hey. I mean, I guess Betty was attacked. <laughs> no, Betty was secretly attacked with a chainsaw. There's, no, yeah. and publicly attacked with one. When? TPK. No, that's a hallucination she had. No, but didn't TBK also threaten her with a chainsaw when she was in the hole? Yeah, I don't think that's public knowledge. I mean, Betty might talk about it. No, she thinks she's no. too good for... Being a victim. No, remember she literally did not go to therapy. Like she said, she stopped therapy, being like, "Well, she no, went I'm to therapy fine. and was like, I'm fine, no yeah. dreams." Um, no, she, no. I the only way I would give that to her is if it's like it's very common knowledge in Riverdale universe that if you're a serial killer, you use a chainsaw. Here, I have a theory. Okay, you know how Cheryl loved Archie, and you know yeah. how she painted that very sexy painting of him. Yeah, I think Cheryl gets back together back together with Archie, and Archie reveals all of his friends' secrets to her. So this is the future. We just saw the future. Yeah, this is like three years from now. I hate this. I hate that theory. I hate you. <laughs> That's how bad this show is getting. <laughs> Kevin, did you find a CW moment? <laughs> oh, man, I found a whole bunch of them. I think, okay, I think just for me, I, I everyone has to know, this entire episode was all nothing made sense. This nothing, episode is a CW nothing moment. Made sense. I am going to give it, I have to give it, to Jughead is not really... I'm kind of blurring the line with CW moments. It's Jughead getting an agent before he wrote a book. Yeah, this show has <laughs> no idea how any job works ever. <laughs> like, and not even just before he wrote a book. Before he had the first draft, before he had a concept, like, six years before that book was released, he got an agent. And the agent kept he him. Kept him and didn't be like... Hey, dude, you've literally done nothing for me. 
I'm letting you go. I'm letting you go because you're so bad at this. Like, I guess Jughead's just that good of a writer. Sam really saw something in that boy. It's... So, just like how Jughead is the greatest writer ever and Cheryl is the greatest painting ever and Archie can do every job under the sun. And Betty is the best FBI trainee. (laughs) Mm. This show is just, like, full of... I guess Mary and Marty Stews. Like everybody is so good at everything. Except for Kevin, Except for Kevin. who is aggressively mediocre <laughs> in all ways. And that is his problem. Just be perfect, Kevin. Just be like everyone else and be perfect. No wonder he's so sad all the time. You know, you know the problem is, I think he is perfect. Like he is the best at theater. He's just not doing theater. Yeah. And you might be asking, hey, Kevin, do you mean like he's the best at writing, directing? Producing, acting? Like, no, all of it. All theater. of it. He's the best at theater. He's the best at theater. If he does theater, he's the best at it. But then what's Fang's the best at? Trucking. <laughs> <laughs> so, dear audience, please tell us what you think people are the best at. What are you the best at? We want to get to know you. So you can hit us up on social media. It's Podcast MOA, Podcast MOA at Instagram, at Twitter, and at gmail.com. Alternatively, we know you're as enraged as we are, but not at us. <laughs> so share your love for us and share our rage of Riverdale by giving us your ratings, reviews, and subscriptions on Apple Podcast or your podcaster of choice. You also check out uh, my books. They're available at KevinWeirBooks.com. I'm also on uh, Twitter at ShawManKWeir. I'm on TikTok as KevinWeirIsWeird. It's as if Kevin knows things about how books are made. Things that apparently the Riverdale writers crew don't know. <laughs> I'm over at a flimsyplan.com and I don't know how books are made, but that's okay. <laughs> All right, I say something. Uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs> what will Hiram do now that everyone knows about the Palladium? How will Tabitha react now that Jughead is back in town? Are these the questions the show wants us to ask? These are the ones that I'm asking. That's just all this and more on the next episode of Mystery Outsiders and Abs. A teen drama fan cast? <laughs>